It's that time of day once again. Gather the gang around the table. It's not quite Christmas morning, but we are going to unwrap some knowledge for you. Have a good time as we're hanging out. Susan Littlefield joining us as always. Jason Jorgensen with Sports. Bob Brogan and... Bob's going to make some friends today because the stock market's actually up, breaking a trend for the last several. So, Susan, there's a big difference between what a diary is and what dairy is. And all you have to do is flip the I and the A there. But uh, good news on the expansion of dairy in Nebraska. Oh, very much so. We're going to hear more at 1245 about the work that's being done with a group of folks and the fact that they one dairy opened up his calf raising operation last week to about 30 or so dairy producers. So it was a good chance for them to meet and talk more about the future of the industry in the state. Then at 1219, we'll jump back a little bit. Gerald Schreiber is the new president of RCAF. He'll recap their recent convention that took place in South Dakota, then taking place at uh, 117. It's a feature with Casey Mabry of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing discussing the reasons behind last week's sell in the cattle feature. So a fun packed bit of information susan we appreciate it thanks for the update we'll look forward to each of those midday features coming up and speaking of midday jason jorgensen joining us in kansas state they have a football coach who like his predecessor has won pretty much everywhere he's gone yeah chris Kleiman comes in with uh, certainly a good pedigree they continue to work through things and so far it sounds like it's going okay there in manhattan of course big change with chris Kleiman in charge and now that Bill Snyder has uh, retired, but we'll get the thoughts of Kleiman. Of course, they will begin the season, you would hope, in a winnable game against Nichols State. I mean, it's not like they're opening up against an SEC opponent, but... Uh, we all saw that in the Adam Sandler movie. You always want to play the Slack Division Two squad to start your season off. <laughs> exactly. Also, we'll talk some high school football. We'll hear from Lexington head coach Jeff Rowe on the Minutemen made the playoffs a year ago, and they hope to do that again, and they hope to build behind a strong offensive line that returns three starters. Uh, the news not so good for the Broncos. Uh, rookie quarterback Drew Locke, former Missouri Tiger. Lee Summit North graduate, too. Will be out the rest of the preseason with a strained right thumb. So that has to help the uh, employment opportunities for uh, veteran Kevin Hogan, who probably will survive now as a backup to Joe Flacco. So all of that and more. Surprised you didn't sports. drop the adjective journeyman veteran in there as <laughs> yeah. well. Now, with Chris Kleinman, who's a known commodity, stepping up from Division One AA North Dakota, where he won all those national titles, and less miles at Kansas, does that make uh, the state of Kansas a little more uh, on the national scene here? If they win, I think Kleinman has the easier job. Yes. Uh, less miles I'm has sure a tall not. order. Tall he order, might, man. He must have really wanted to coach Lawrence. again. Yeah. Jayhawk's been lost in the wilderness for a while. Speaking of the wilderness, Bob Brogan, we're going to bring you in here, and stocks have been tumbling here back and forth, but uh, positive gains today. Good gains today by retailers, which are leading the stocks higher. Uh, There's some encouraging quarterly results from major retailers. Uh, Traders will be looking for another thing today. They'll be looking for minutes released from the Federal Reserve's latest policy meeting. Um, As far as uh, businesses reporting good results, Target reporting second quarter results that topped expectations by quite a bit. And uh, also home sales increased 2.5% in July. And Nebraska's leading economic indicator bounced back in July. We'll have stories on those coming up. All of that and more coming up on your KRVN Midday. 
Paul Perkins back in the studio, live and in action here. Welcome back, <laughs> sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, nice to have a couple of days off. And uh, it's interesting. Paul Perkins is out of the studio for a couple of days, <laughs> hot and extremely humid, yeah. places in Kansas seeing 112, 114 degrees with the heat index. Paul Perkins returns, 72 degrees right here in Lexington, <laughs> and the dew point's high but not too bad. I see what you do. Yeah, yeah. you bring back good weather with yeah. us. You can work here anytime you want to, brother. <laughs> and a little bit of rain to those needing it. Not oh, everybody getting in on a That's lot of right. rain last night. Uh but from about southeast Custer County down to about Grand Island to southeast of Grand Island, about two to four inches estimated by radar in some of those areas. And rain continues to fall, just mainly to the north of the Grand Island area right now. And for some areas, that's exactly what they need. And in some areas, they just can't get get out of the mud because of all the water coming down. Exactly. Yeah, we did have numerous flood warnings in effect from southeast Custer County to about southeast of Grand Island. That light rain continuing to fall this morning, mainly to the north of Grand Island from about Loop City to St. Paul Central City and Stromsburg and points off towards the north. That rain moving off towards the east and southeast. Also, a line of rain in eastern Nebraska from about the northeast corner north of Omaha down to just west of Omaha down through just west of Lincoln also into southeast Nebraska towards Crete, Beatrice, and then into northeast Kansas from Marysville down to about Clay Center, Kansas. All of that rain moving off towards the east and southeast. Temperatures for the most part this morning in the upper 60s to low 70s, but we do have temperatures closer to 80 as you go southeast of Salina right now. The biggest rainfall total that we did see with this system last night was just to, in the southeast part of Broken Bow, they had nearly 3.8 inches of rain, also about three and two-thirds inches of rain falling to the north of Broken Bow for some of our heavier rains, but many locations, about two to three inches of rain. We will see those scattered thunderstorms remain possible through tomorrow. Thanks to some low pressure that's tracking east along a cold front that's draped across southern Kansas. Better chances of rain will be over central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas. Underneath mainly cloudy skies, our temperature is about 10 degrees cooler than normal. Small thunderstorm chances remaining in the forecast, so not as great for the thunderstorm chances. For Friday through Tuesday, as we see various disturbances move across the central plains, not going to be a complete rainout, but scattered off and on thunderstorms do remain possible into early next week. Our temperatures will warm back to near seasonal levels over the weekend, but then a cold front on Sunday night, cooling those temperatures back into the 70s to start next week. In the long-term forecast, the temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas likely to be cooler than normal. It's a pretty good likelihood of cooler than normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas. Monday through the first three days of September, that does include, of course, most of the state fair and Labor Day. For comparison, the late August daytime highs in central Nebraska, usually in the low 80s with average overnight lows in the upper 50s. The outlook starts wet with above-normal rainfall the first half of next week in Nebraska and Kansas. Now, towards the end of next week through the 3rd of September, Nebraska and Kansas rainfall will trend near normal to slightly above normal on the rainfall. So that Labor Day outlook may not be as wet as you would, uh, or may not be too wet, but those temperatures will be on the cooler side. Weather factors impacting the markets include more rain for the Midwest, heat stress in the southern plains of Delta, and a cool extended outlook. The next few days, the surge of cool air will engulf much of the central and eastern U.S. Abundant rain will fall in several areas, including the central Gulf Coast, the upper Midwest, and then in a broad area stretching from the central plains to the southern mid-Atlantic. The Midwest rain will be useful for late developing crops with corn in the filling phase and soybeans still setting pods. Only 68% of U.S. soybeans are setting pods. That is the slowest pace since 1996. 
Midsummer dryness has increased the stress to filling corn and soybeans from central Iowa and points to the east. The northern plains will have mostly favorable weather for developing corn and soybeans with mostly adequate moisture and no significant heat stress. Crop development in much of the northern plains, Midwest, and Canadian prairies remains well behind normal, and an early freeze is feared could do major damage. Temperatures turn much lower in the northern plains and Midwest at the end of the week, and that's likely to slow the crop development again. The spring wheat harvest in the northern plains may also slow further during periods of some rain this upcoming week. Sounds like lots going on, and as always, Paul Perkins, where can people go to find the very latest updated in farm market and weather information? KRVN.com. We get a recap of the RCAF convention from Deadwood, South Dakota, as well get to meet the newest president of RCAF, Gerald Schreiber, Northeast Colorado rancher. I'm Clay Patton, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Gerald, start us off with a recap of the RCAF convention. It was a great convention from the attendeeship, the turnout. Uh, it was probably one of our biggest, maybe our biggest convention ever. We had close to 500 members and guests. Attentiveness to the speakers, uh, the participation in the programs was, was very good. I came out of there with a really good feeling. It's the best convention we've had in years. What would you characterize the convention as this year? I mean, was there a lot of new members? Were people really fired up? What was the energy like at the convention? The energy level was good. Generationally, we saw more younger members here, too, but met a lot of good Nebraska cattle producers at the convention that I didn't recall running into before. I mean, it was an easy jump up to Deadwood. The venue was great. And, of course, the hills, and you guys were envious. You've got too much water, and we're sitting here a little... uh, touch and go in eastern Colorado. It's been real spotty, but uh, you didn't call me for a weather report, but it was green. People's attitudes were good, except the underlying tone of uh, the cattle market and what was happening last week. Uh, That was people were checking their phones and uh, watching the markets all week. That was was the negative. The energy level, uh, the ability to learn and and become educated on issues. Uh, We had uh, young people from Washington State, Oklahoma, some new people from Texas, and, and I realized that the the old traditional organization is really big in Texas, but we're we're gaining, you know, a bit of a toehold there. Saw encouragement that this was the broadest, most diverse crowd we've had in years. Gerald Arcaf, Ranchers Cattlemen's Action Legal Fund, has been the Cattlemen's Association that has maybe by some stepped out and, and taken on some of the issues in more of a legal way versus uh, more of what some might consider a political way or, or trying to outmarket it or something. One of those is really taking on the big packers with possible cattle market manipulation. Can you give us an update on that lawsuit? On April 23rd of this year, four of our members, the states of Iowa, Nebraska, Wyoming, and Kansas, and that would be Eric Nelson from Iowa, Chuck Weinrice from Nebraska, Jim Jensen from Wyoming, and Rick Chambers from Kansas, uh, were named plaintiffs in a suit against the four major packers for price fixing and manipulation and unfair market practices. And this is to a, geared to a specific period. It's from 2015 to the filing date of April of 2019 so nothing before and nothing after there was a lot of talk in the background about this tyson fire and and the effects that it had on the market but that is beyond the scope of this litigation i can just tell you we're represented by an international firm uh scott and scott uh, their lead counsel patrick mcgahan was there very sharp young man gosh i don't know late 30s early 40s he's the lead counsel 
You know, they only took this on after doing an econometric study that pointed out that uh, they thought there was, and I hate to get into specific numbers, but just just under a late eight uh, percent uh, effect by what these uh, firms do to our business. So, uh, about the only thing. It's in the early stages. The, cha- the venue has been changed from the Illinois district to the Minnesota district judge there, and then you just have to work through the legal protocols. He has to review it and assess it and see if it is worthy, and then it'll get into discovery if he accepts it. So it's just in the initial stages. Again, we've been talking with Gerald Schreiber, the newest president of RCAP and a Northeast Colorado rancher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. As promised, here's a check of your midday sports, and to do it, here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Well, Nebraska sophomore quarterback Adrian Martinez picked up another watch list spot today as the Manning Award announced its 30-player watch list. Martinez is one of three sophomores on that list, which is presented to the top quarterback following the conclusion of the 2019 season, including bowl games. Well, fall camp continues for Kansas State, and new head coach Chris Kleiman continues to see some positive signs. The guys are excited to go out and compete and, and play every day. I've been really, uh, really happy with the effort uh, on a daily basis to come out there and 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 continue to try to improve. They they know that they're learning something from our schemes every day. They're learning something um, from a coach from a coach every day on how to do a technique or. Um, you know, it's all new to that. K-State begins a season at home against Nichols State. It appears as though defensive lineman Davion Nixon will finally be able to help the 20th-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes this fall. Nixon is a 310-pound sophomore who transferred from Iowa Western Community College before spending last year getting his grades in order. He'll be one of the players expected to help replenish Iowa's depleted line. Defensive coordinator Phil Parker's already singled him out as a true leader. Well, preseason workouts continue for the Lexington football squad. The Minutemen went 4-6 a year ago and made the Class B playoffs. Head coach Jeff Rowan feels they could be solid at the line of scrimmage again. You know, you, you look at our offensive line, and we got three guys who, who started last year back from that group, and, and uh, you know, we're kind of looking forward to them leading us here a little bit. So, you know, with Wilmer Hoisington and, and Cameron Gibbons and Simon Brock, uh, we're hoping for them to, to kind of lead the way for us. So, uh, they've, they've been doing some good things, and, and uh, we're, we're far from being ready to play a game right now, but we're, we're getting better every day. Lexington begins the season next week at home against Skyler. And the Mets are back on a roll, and it's well-timed. With a string of playoff contenders on the schedule, the club is now, believe it or not, 25-10 and 10 since the All-Star break. Marcus Stroman is slated to make his fourth start tonight. After finishing this three-game series with the Indians tomorrow, the Mets will then host the Braves and the Cubs for three games each, then face the Phillies twice and the Nationals sandwiched in between. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgens. Tyler Cavalli joining us once again for a check of midday news. And Tyler... Uh... Weather's not the only thing to be talking about. The after effects of the weather seems to be the lead. Yeah, a lot of rain has come down, and uh, the wind gusts, not only here in central Nebraska, but western and eastern Nebraska, uh, they were mighty yesterday. Tornadic level winds, I've heard across some areas, and Paul was just talking about 3.5, 3.8 inches just to the southeast of Broken Bow. So winds, weather, 
lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. <laughs> Seems to be a bad three-way right now. Exactly, exactly. Well, and more on that as the storms rumbled across Nebraska, they left behind some flooded streets and fields and some damaged trees, buildings, and even vehicles. Late last night, storms socked Scottsbluff County, where the Scottsbluff Airport reported a wind gust of 73 miles per hour. Now, the National Weather Service told their sister station, KNEB, that more than two inches of rain fell on northeast Scottsbluff in a little over an hour. The National Weather Service said earlier today that nearly 3.8 inches of rain fell in Broken Bow. High winds reported elsewhere included a gust of 69 miles per hour near Thetford and a gust of 62 miles per hour near Friend in southeast Nebraska. It is unclear at this point whether anyone has been injured. 23-year-old Jorge Vasquez Avila was arraigned in Dawson County Court Tuesday morning on charges related to the weekend death of a man who was found unresponsive in a downtown Lexington parking lot. County Judge Jeff Whiteman read the charges, including the first one being manslaughter. So the state alleges that on or about August 17, 2019 in Dawson County, Nebraska, and count one they allege that you did kill another person, that being Hussein Nuri, without malice, either upon a sudden quarrel or that you caused the death of another unintentionally while in the commission of an unlawful act. Manslaughter carries a maximum penalty of 20 years imprisonment and no minimum. Vasquez Avila also faces charges of possession of methamphetamine and possession of drug paraphernalia in connection with items located during his arrest. Vasquez Avila is accused in the death of 22-year-old Jose Nuri in the early morning hours of Saturday, August 17th. Nuri was a resident of Lexington. Now, Judge Whiteman said Vasquez Avila's bond at 10% of $100,000 and the public defender's office was appointed to represent him. His next court hearing is now set for 11 a.m. on September 3rd. A standoff with law enforcement in Sherman County lasted for more than two hours before the suspect committed suicide late Monday evening. The incident began at approximately 8.30 p.m. near Highway 92 in Sherman County. Sherman County Sheriff's deputies responded to a report of a suspicious male in the area. Upon locating that subject, Trevor Jorgensen, 23 years old of Lincoln, deputies observed that Jorgensen was armed with a firearm. During the initial encounter, Jorgensen fired multiple rounds at the deputies. Now, As Jorgensen hid in a tree line, Nebraska State Patrol troopers arrived on the scene to assist. At approximately 10.30 p.m., Jorgensen exited the tree line, ignored verbal commands from officers, turned the rifle on himself, and committed suicide. No shots, though, were fired by law enforcement officers during the incident, and no officers were injured. The Sherman County Attorney has asked the Nebraska State Patrol to conduct an investigation. Finally, Kansas authorities say a tractor-trailer hauling cattle overturned south of Emporia, killing two dozen of the animals. Kansas Highway Patrol Trooper Justin Wallace says the driver was transporting the cattle to Arkansas City to be slaughtered when he fell asleep just after midnight today and went off the road on the side of Interstate 35. Now, besides the 24 cattle that died when the rig overturned, 13 were pulled from the wreckage alive. Wallace says the surviving cattle are in a pen waiting to resume their journey. Wallace says the driver was taken to a hospital with minor injuries and no one else was hurt. The crash disrupted southbound traffic as crews worked to get the rig upright and repair damage as faults. That is your afternoon news update. I'm Tyler Cavalli, and for more, visit our website at krvn.com. The work continues to expand the dairy operations in Nebraska. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. 
Kim Clark is UNL Extension educator focusing within the dairy industry. Her and I talked last week at Summit Calf Ranch outside of Rising City as a tour took place for almost 30 folks within the dairy industry to learn more about calf raising. But we started out talking about the work being done to bring dairies to Nebraska. There are some great opportunities here in Nebraska, whether you're looking to move to the state, whether you're looking to grow and expand your current operation. And the Grow Nebraska Dairy Team has done a great job of working to really promote the state as a whole, looking at the feed resources we have, the water resources, the land availability. And uh, it goes beyond the Grow Nebraska Dairy Team. About four years ago, Nebraska Extension added a new extension educator to their program, which has really helped to uh, increase the knowledge and productivity of not only the research that we're doing, but also sharing the information with producers. Let's talk about the importance of bringing those in the dairy industry to Summit Calf Ranch. You know, this is a great opportunity in going out and visiting with other dairy producers. Uh, I knew they wanted to get out and see other farms. And so bringing them to Summit Calf Ranch near Rising City here was a great opportunity. Uh, We have about close to 30 dairy producers here today just learning uh, about the ranch but also taking back some great information that they can utilize on their farm as well and so that's one thing we do is really get producers out in front of other producers and share their story and what they're doing and and hopefully just learning from each other. It's an exchange of information that just makes everyone better. That's exactly right that share of information in face-to-face peer to peer communication, um, whether it's over email, face-to-face, as I mentioned. Uh, You know, the dairy industry as a whole in Nebraska has done a great job of collaborating together. So Nebraska Dairy Extension working with the State Dairy Association and and other organizations and members that have an interest in dairy to really grow and expand uh, dairy as a whole for the benefit of producers. What have you liked and the the work that you guys have done up to this point that you've seen as a benefit to the producer? The greatest benefit to producers is getting the younger generation of producers. So those producers that recently took over the farm from their families, their parents, and those that are getting ready to take over. Just the peer-to-peer connections and networking with each other, the sharing of information, just bringing together that next generation of producers to really grow and expand uh, the industry as a whole. And to know that you guys have got the research from the university tied in with Extension to bring them some of the latest information that's going to be more profitable to them. We have a great research program at the university. Uh, and from talking with producers, we that's where we learn some research that we can be working on. And then we take the research that we're doing at the university and share the information with producers so they can make improvements on their farm with the goal to increase profitability and to also be more sustainable. Unfortunately, there's always the negative side of this industry, and that's folks coming in who don't have an understanding of what we do, why we do, and how we do it. And so this is another opportunity to kind of maybe share some ideas to educate everybody. That's exactly right. Um, You know, even we as an industry, we're always learning, we're always growing. Those that are not within the industry, uh, we provide them opportunities that they can learn what we do and why we do everything. Um, And then, you know, those that don't understand the industry or don't understand agriculture, this is a great opportunity visiting a dairy farm to see what we do and why we do and the care we provide our animals. 
So what advice would you give to that dairy producer who has seen some things happen in the past, not only here in Nebraska, but in other states, to prepare themselves? Should they be addressed by questions or be personally addressed by somebody coming into their operation? So there's a number of areas I, I would have producers focus on. Um, I think the biggest thing we remember, we always try to do is we want to be proactive versus reactive. Proactive meaning, um, you know, having a conversation with everyone, questioning anyone that comes onto your farm. Uh, what are they doing? Why are they here? What can we help you with? But also uh, having the employees communicate with those on the farm as well that we don't see daily. Uh, so I know a lot of dairy farms see a lot of people come onto their farm from the nutritionist to salespeople, hay grinders, uh, etc. Just questioning everyone that comes onto the farm, being prepared and saying, if you see anything potentially happening or you question anything that you see on the farm, come to me right away so I can... Uh, can, so I can evaluate the situation. I think this is a proof. I mean, when you see this many people here on a day like today, this is proof that the dairy industry in Nebraska can thrive and continue to grow. You're exactly right. If we really evaluate uh, everyone that's here on the tour today, uh, most everyone here is next generation producers. And if they aren't the next generation of dairy producers, it's their family, their, their daughters, their sons, their nieces, their nephews that will be taking over the farm. And so they're here to learn and pass information along to them as well. Comments with Kim Clark. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Time for an in-depth look at your midday business report. And Bob Brogan, uh, stocks are looking pretty up today. Big gains by retailers are leading the stocks higher. The Dow Jones at last check up about 270 points or a little more than that. And the NASDAQ Composite and the S&P also up. Stocks broadly higher in midday trading on Wall Street as investors are applauding encouraging quarterly results from major retailers. Target soared after reporting second quarter results that topped expectations by just about every level as the company pushes faster delivery and invested heavily in private label brands. It's raising its profit expectations for the year, sending shares up nearly 12% before the opening bell this morning. Lowe's also jumped 10% after its results beat forecasts. That came a day after rival Home Depot reported strong results of its own. Traders will be looking out for minutes released at 2 p.m. Eastern time from the Federal Reserve's latest policy meeting. Home sales increased 2.5% in July. It's a sign that lower mortgage rates have produced a spurt of home buying. Still, sales could be limited by a shortage of listings and home prices that are rising faster than incomes. The number of properties on the market has fallen 1.6% during the past 12 months, giving buyers fewer options. China says it will impose sanctions on U.S. companies involved in plans for an $8 billion sale of F-16 fighters to Taiwan. The Chinese Foreign Ministry warning today that the U.S. should immediately back away from the arms sale proposal and end its military interactions with Taiwan. Nebraska's leading economic indicator rose sharply during July, according to the most recent report from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. That leading indicator, a composite of economic factors that predict economic growth six months into the future, rose by 2.66%. The July increase reversed a modest decline during June 2019. 
taken together, results from the last two months suggest solid economic growth in Nebraska through the end of 2019 and into early 2020, according to economist Eric Thompson, director of the Bureau of Business Research at the university. So things are looking pretty good there, and uh, we're getting that from the University of Nebraska Bureau of Business Research. The full report and a technical report describing the indicators are available at the Bureau of Business Research website. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. We all saw the cattle market take its big dive last week, many attributing it to a fire at the Finney County Tyson plant near Holcomb, Kansas. Today, though, we talk with a broker that not only has worked on the fat cattle buying side, but has worked on the retail beef side and now helps producers hedge their inputs as well as try to best market their cattle. That's Casey Mabry with Blue Reef Agro Marketing. Casey, thanks for joining us. Given your broad scope and diversity in the beef business, what do you attribute last week's sell-off to? So we have to think about the timeline of when that all occurred and, and, and where we are in the calendar. So we're getting to the back end of the summer when prices typically, uh, from a seasonal standpoint, start to decline. And then we get hit right in the chin with a plant disruption in this fire that's in, in the Tyson plant there in Finney County. Friday night, that uh, I think it was around 9, 10 p.m., um, we had this fire occur. No one knew. There was a tremendous amount of uncertainty. So then we had to sit over this all over the weekend. Um, we go Friday, Saturday, really no news, just tons of rumors out there. So what that does is builds a tremendous amount of emotion. We get in Monday morning, and I think a lot of people, there's just a lot of uncertainty because we were using words like indefinitely, and we're going to rebuild on the site. Instead of using words like repair or in giving some kind of timeline, we still do not know here um, a week later how far out in advance we're going to get this plant up and going again. And I think there's a lot of people that throw speculation, a lot of rumor out there. The industry took it like we're going to reduce the kill by 36,000 head a week, 6,000 heads, six days a week. And we just take the market from a future standpoint on Monday morning, just open up, limit lower, and then on Tuesday, again, limit lower. And so it, it automatically just took... You know, on an expanded limit, $7.5 out of the market. A lot of fear, a lot of emotion, a lot of uncertainty. And so that's what drove prices lower. We get to that back end of the week, and then the kill comes in bigger than what it was the week before. That's the biggest issue that we had on prices is a lot of people are just like, hey, I I own cattle. Just Just get me out. I want to step to the sidelines and move to the side. So uncertainty drives, you know, a lot of fear, a lot of reaction to the market and pushed it lower. Call on your experience as a cattle buyer out in the country. Last week, again, we saw cash drop dramatically, kind of following that futures trend. Was this kind of coming from the buyers just taking advantage of the market situation, or was it kind of that fire sell feeling of, we need to get these cattle marketed now, otherwise we're going to see even lower drops if we're, if we're lowering kill capacity? So there really wasn't any bids, and we typically don't have bids on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday mornings. A lot of it was the cattle feeder coming out, and what it looks like uh, from that standpoint of going, hey, I don't know what the market's going to be. I have a futures market that's sitting right around a dollar or sub a dollar. We get out to you know the, the next contract month away from this nearby, and we're looking at October, and it just tells me that prices from if I'm a cattle feeder or a producer, I mean, we've had a really, really nice strong basis here over the last several months, but is that going to switch? I don't know. And so, yeah, from that standpoint, 
it was a cattle feeder wanting to sell and the packer that's just standing back and not really wanting to buy. And so that drives a lot of emotion of, of them wanting to get rid of the cattle that they owned. I would tell you from both sides, again, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty out there on when this thing's going to run again. Kill was bigger. They still needed to buy as many cattle as they did. But also the kill was bigger because of lower prices and the Packers running out and wanting to add, add kill that they weren't expecting to add because to run an additional 10,000 head or 9,000 head that we, than we did the week prior, you're going to have to run a lot more on Saturday. And so that was the incentive for those guys to try to catch up. Again, we've been talking with Casey Mabry of Blue Reef Agra Marketing here on the Rural Radio Network. Tune in tomorrow as we continue this conversation and see what happened from the retail beef side of the story as well. This is the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. Well, we finished higher in corn and soybeans and mixed in the wheat trade today. Let's talk about this with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Not totally a bad day today, but what did you make of the corn market uh, short term? We... Uh, we surprised somebody, I suppose, when we were lower for a while, and the same thing for soybeans. Yeah, I mean, we've, we're pennies from, from the low, in my opinion. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of downside here. Um, you know, if you sell it, prices could maybe fall 5 to $0.10, cents, but we're really right where we were a year ago. So with the carryout, 2-1, I think we were looking at 2-6 carryout a year ago. Um, you know, prices bottomed right in the early part of September. So I think, again, the move has been made. You know, maybe you wouldn't borrow one more surge south here before delivery, but, uh, you know, if, if you've been waiting to buy, I think that's an opportunity. There's opportunities abound here. Wheat market trading below $4 on the December contract. That Anytime you see that secondary KC contract get below 4 bucks with the, with the primary contract, which is September, still trading, uh, that's, that's done pretty well for you. I'm not saying you're not going to take heat on it, but, you know, if you can get a three-handle ball with three months before delivery, uh, I think I, I think you'll do okay with that one, uh, and then soybeans. I think again, you can bark all you want at the USDA, but if 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 the market was going to trade USDA data, beans would be higher. Beans would be a lot higher, and they're not. So I think we're we're just dealing with near-term supply. We'll digest that in the short run, and you know once we turn the page and, and get into the new marketing year. I think the market has a lot better opportunity to move higher. Um, I think beans are the, the best opportunity, in my opinion. Corn, I have some upside, but I think soybeans, you know, 30 to 40 cents more, where corn would say 15 at the most, maybe 20 if we get up into that gap near 390. But there's just a lot of corn that needs to clear here in the next couple of weeks. That November soybean 14-day relative strength index, is that still pretty choppy? Yeah, we're looks, turning more sideways now. Um, but, again, I think if we can get above the high from this week, which we'll call it 375, uh, I, I'd, I'd like the opportunity for us to run into the close on Friday. You know, weather, I think, if anything I take from this crop through, is that weather is going to be an issue here for the next two to three months. It's, it's not always that case, you know, when the crop gets finished early. Uh, you know, it's really more just about the weather pulling it out. But developing, uh, you know, with early frost and with the, with the soybean crop as, as wide as it is with late plantings, uh, I think that's your opportunity there. You know, $9 would be my target, maybe nine fifteen if it gets real bullish. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. Corn finishes the day one to three higher. Soybeans four and a quarter to five cents higher. And the wheat trade was mixed but lower in Kansas City.